0: Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. this holiday season, if there was ever a time when we are asking, Lord, do it for me, it's right now, at the close of our year, at the beginning of the holiday season, as we embark upon a new year that we are about to enter, we want God to finish this year strong for us. We want to be able to show the world that our Heavenly Father is faithful. So before we get started with a word of prayer, and then we're going to get into this teaching for this evening, money, money, money. Everything that we don't normally talk about on this show related to money because it's time. People believe that when we discuss the things of God, we are too lofty, our heads are in the sky, that there's nothing they can use in their everyday life. And yet, the Bible has some great keys to success to, that we need to understand and we need to call upon. So, if you have a friend who's stressing about money, you have somebody in the church concerned about money and they need to know what to do. You have someone who is has more money than they need to do with <laughs> or know what to do with. You need to have them call in to the show tonight and listen to what we're going to be sharing because this is going to be a powerful teaching. You can share it with others after the fact. But let me start with a word of prayer so that we can get into the meat of God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight, God. I thank you for this program that you have ordained for your people for this time and this place. God, I thank you for you strengthening them. I thank you for you encouraging them. I thank you for you leading and guiding and directing them through the power of your Holy Spirit. Give them the desire to comfort others so that they know that as they comfort others, they will be comforted by the Holy Spirit themselves, allow them to not be distracted By any fiery darts of the devil, allow them to be able to stand on your promises knowing that you cause all things to work together for their good and you will not allow them to be tempted beyond that which they can endure and uh, will with the temptation that comes their way, you will make a way of escape because you promised that in your word. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your greatness. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit you placed in us and made available to us. So that we can testify of your Son Jesus Christ in the earth. I thank you for this right now in the name of your Son Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we're going to get into this teaching tonight money, money, money. Because so many people believe that whenever we affect the things that impact us in our everyday life, but the opposite of that is true. The Bible says that everything that pertains to life and godliness is embodied in the word of God. It's one of the reasons why God says he magnified his word above his name. He is going to allow you to benefit from all of the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that is contained in his Scripture as you make yourself available to the study of the Holy. But before we get started, what I'd like to do is take you through some scriptures that are going to show you God's heart, God's intent for you, so that you don't see money as a bad thing, but also that you don't make the mistake of, worshiping money and designing your entire life around how to acquire money, because money is not our focus. Our focus is acquiring and securing our relationship with God Almighty through his son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And we have to do that intentionally. We have to learn to be free because we're not born free. We were born in sin. Each and every one of us knows that that's why we had to get saved. But after we were saved, after we were water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, after we repented and turned away from serving sin, after we confessed with our mouth that Jesus Christ was the Lord of our life, after we believed in our heart that God raised this son, Jesus Christ, from the dead, and after we believed, to speak in tongues, and prophesy, then at that moment, We had the power of the Holy Spirit within us, and all of the promises within the Word of God became ours. But now it's our job to study God's Word so that we can mine those promises. See, when you dig for gold, when you dig for silver, when you dig for mine, for diamonds, you have to put effort in. You have to go deep. You have to dig. You have to move earth. You have to sometimes use dynamite in order to get to these precious metals and these treasures. So it is with the Word of God. In order to get to the truths of the Word of God, we must spend personal time studying God's Word so that the gem, the riches, the treasures in God's word can be ours. I want to start in this passage of Scripture in John 10.10 as it pertains to money because we need to know what God's will is for our life. God says that his word was magnified above his name. He magnified his word above his name. What that means is if you want to know the will of God, You need to know the word of God. The word of God is that God's word. We study it so that we can understand God's will, God's purpose, God's desire, God's way, and then we can act according to that. So what does it say here in John chapter 10, verse 10? Jesus, the good shepherd, says, I am the gate. If anyone enters through me, you will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. But the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, come that they might have life and have it in all its fullness. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep sheep. Now it's interesting because other versions say it differently. Other versions say that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. See, Jesus Christ was sent by God into the world so that we can have the more than abundant life. But the thief, which would be those who are not acting in accordance with the purposes of God
1: inconsistent
0: nature with following the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they would be in the category of the thief, those who come to steal and kill and destroy. It's interesting because the way they come to steal, kill, and destroy is by twisting the word of God manipulating the word of God, presenting something that sounds good and feels good and makes them rich (laughs) and makes their name known and expands their influence and their reach. And if we were about the business of building earthly kingdoms and chiefdoms and organizations, then that would be acceptable. But Jesus Christ refers to them as the thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus Christ says, He is the good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. And he came so that we may have life and have it in all its fullness. We may have life and have it abundantly. What does it mean to have an abundant life? To have Life more abundantly is what it says in some translations. Well, the more abundant life consists of mental wholeness, physical wholeness, emotional wholeness, spiritual wholeness, and financial wholeness, each one of those areas. However, in our American context, the focus is so much on money on mammoth, on this idol that foolish people serve, that whenever you say a blessing or whenever you say abundance, all anybody can think of is money. But the fact is, if you have all the money in the world and you are sick, that money does not benefit you. If you have a lot of money, chances are that money will be consumed trying to make you well. If you are mentally disturbed and fearful about someone stealing what you have, if you have a lot of money, then you're not able to enjoy your riches. They're they're a burden to you because all of your energy is spent trying to defend and protect. And God needs you to understand that all blessings come from him. And those blessings are multidimensional. So mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and financially, you are to be whole. You are to experience the more than abundant life. But we have to participate in this thing the way that God designed for us to participate in it, right? So now I'm going to shift for a minute because people are saying, okay, that's Cool. I've heard that before, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Tell me something I didn't know. Well, I'm gonna share something with you that you didn't know that I think you'll find fascinating because God does give us, give us specific instruction on how to handle things related to money. There's this um, this this show that I watch TV called American Greed, and it talks about All the scams and all the scam artists, people who steal hundreds of millions of dollars from other people, and they use the greed of others to sell them deals that are supposed to be pure shots, absolute certain debts, things that will come true, and you can take all of your retirement savings and invested in this deal or that deal or another deal. And these guys are just living off of retirement money. And then when they need the retirement money, it's not there because these guys are in jail. Well, God gives us specific direction in his word how to avoid these traps. But what happens in the world is people are so greedy and so tempted to fall into that trap of trying to get rich quick. The Bible says that he who seeks to get rich quick brings a snare to himself. It's a trap. And the people in the world understand how to use that trap. They know that how they need to bait that trap. If you want to catch a mouse, you use cheese. (laughs) If you are fishing and you want to catch a big fish, you use a a smaller fish's bait. If you want to catch a small fish, you might put a worm on there bait. but your bait has to be commensurate with what you want to catch. So these guys are going after people with a lot of money to invest. so they have to look like money. So they drive fancy cars, they have fancy artwork, they live in fancy places, they wear fancy clothes, clothing, and they are creating an illusion of success. Their offices are fancy, their staff is big, and they know how to look and sound the part. They know how to play the part. And they lure these people, unsuspecting people, but sometimes very sophisticated and very well-off people who are millionaires and billionaires, and they get sucked into these schemes sometimes. Well, Look at what it says here in Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 6. It says, invest your money in foreign trade, and one of these days you will make a profit. Put your investments in several places, many places because you never know what kind of bad luck you're going to have in this world. No matter which direction a tree falls, it will lie where it fell. When the clouds are full, it rains. If you wait until the wind and the weather are just right, you will never plant anything and never harvest anything. God made everything, and you can do no more. And and it says, and you can no more understand what he does than you understand how new life begins in the womb of a pregnant woman. Do your planning in the morning and in the evening, too you never know whether it will grow well or whether one plant will do better than the other. See, God is giving us specific direction here. One of the translations of the first part of this verse says to invest in, to put your investments in seven or eight different places. The reason for that is that if someone, if one of your investments does poorly and loses money and another of your investments is profitable and doubles or triples in value, well, the one that was lost or stolen is balanced out by the investment that increased
1: or doubled or
0: tripled, right? It is not that you are trying to get rich quick. You are trying to live a life that is wise and in accordance with the word of God. And if God says put your investment in seven or even eight different places, God is telling you because you don't know the future and God doesn't want you focused and fretting on your nest egg a singular investment that you have accumulated all of your wealth in this one place, and your future well-being depends on this nest egg. The nest egg is a trap. It is something that scam artists and other people who mean you harm are looking for. And when they see that you have something to take, then they're trying to find a way to take it. Now, unfortunately, when we're older, pain, we're on medication, sometimes we're despondent because our family has moved on with their life and they're not really in communication with us and we just want a friend. And one of these scam artists will come and be your friend. They will take you to lunch. They will hang out with you. They will fly you on their their jet. They will take you to places you've never been before. They will take you around people you never, never thought you would ever meet, and they will look like they are successful, and they want to sell you a sure deal. Well, God wants to try to protect you from this foolishness so that you can focus on him. See, we are not to serve money. We are not to please. We are not to lean to our own understanding. And we are not to operate out of our own limited strength. What God is asking us to do is to serve him and not money, please him and not people, trust him and not lean to our own understanding, and operate in absolute faith instead of operating out of our own limited strength. This is how God gets glory out of our life. But one of the things that allows us to do this the way God wants us to do it, is he says, okay, i blessed you, but invest your money in foreign trade. Sure, one of these days you'll make a profit. It can't hurt. Put your investments in multiple places because you don't know what the future is going to bring. So if someone gets the best of you on one deal, you may get covered in, another one of your investments so that if someone does steal from you or some ill fate comes to you then one all of your money cannot be stolen from you easily if you have an eight different the word of God. Ecclesiastes eleven one through six. And when we understand that we are to keep planning, keep harvesting. Don't limit your work to the daytime alone. Work at night too, (laughs) right? Whatever God gives you to do, do that. Not that we're doing it for money or to get rich. We are blessed with the ability to work. Now, one of the principles that I utilize in my life is I do God's work first, and then I do my work for my profession, and God has an agreement and understanding with me. He says if I do his work first, that he will help me do my work, and my work will be easier to do because of his presence and assistance in that work. And I see that every day. The things that God does, I couldn't possibly um, number. Um, he He is consistently forming Himself. So now, I want to go again to a scripture in the Word that is going to speak about God's will for your life. That last piece of instruction in Ecclesiastes eleven one through six. Was some good practical advice you should take down and write some notes about about money. But now we want to see again what is God's will. What does God really have to say about this? In Third John chapter one verse two, it says, "The eldest, to the beloved gate, whom I love in the truth, beloved, I pray that in every way." You may prosper and enjoy good health as your soul also prospers. For I was overjoyed when the brothers came and testified about your devotion to the truth in which you continue to walk. One of the things I wanted to point out here is that it's God's will for us to prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers. Well, how does our soul prosper? Well, our soul prospers by praying and fasting and meditating on the Word, fellowshipping with like-minded believers, breaking bread with like-minded believers. These are the ways that our soul prospers. And he wants us to prosper in the physical, prosper in our soul life, but then enjoy good health also, right? So if we kill ourselves trying to make money, is that consistent with prospering and being in good health, even as our soul prospers? I know some people have this mindset that if it doesn't make money, it doesn't make sense. So everything they do is focused and measured on and according to how much money it makes or does not make. This is a trap, and that trap will allow you to misappropriate your time, misappropriate your priority, to fall into a trap where people who see your misplaced priority can take advantage of your mindset, and they can use you in order to fulfill their purposes because you're not clear about what God's purpose is for your life. You have not yet allowed God to free you up, to serve him and him alone. When you get to the point where you live to learn free, to live free, you learn to live free, then money isn't the factor that it used to be. The question is if God is giving you something to do or not. And if He's giving you that thing to do, then it is God's job to give you the provision to do the thing that He's called you to do. A soldier doesn't go to war on his own at his own expense. A soldier has his training paid for, his meals paid for People who are compromising those systems and stealing what you have, right? Um, we've all seen and heard of these things before. So let's look at some more godly wisdom related to money that we can lean from, so that we can do this the way God wants us to do it. Proverbs chapter three is always a firm standing point, a firm point of reference for us to. To ponder. Look at what it says in verse 1. It says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. This is important. Remember what we talked about in 3 John 1, where you said, It's my will for you to prosper and be in health. This says, When you let your heart keep the commands of God, You don't forget the law of God, length of days, and long life, and peace they add. It says in verse 3: Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. So it is truth and mercy that you find around your neck. You write truth and mercy on the tablet of your heart. Look at what that means. What is mercy? Mercy is when someone does wrong to you and you do not exact
1: justice against them.
0: That's a very godly thing. We get new mercy from God every day. And then it says truth. Don't let truth forsake you, right? What is truth? The word of God is truth. Study God's word. And the more we study God's word, the more merciful we see our Heavenly Father is toward us and others. And in emulating that mercy, it says that we find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. But when we live according to the ways of the world, then we are trying to vindicate ourselves. We're trying to punish our enemies. We are trying to project an image of strength so that people don't see weakness and attack us. Well, you know, that still holds true. When you don't live in fear, when you know that the power of God is within you and that no devil can come against you because the word of God says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So you're not going to attract some fool <laughs> because those spirits know the Holy Spirit when they see it in you, when they encounter someone who knows they have the power of Christ within them, and they know that that power is greater than what they bring. The question is, do you know? Look at what it says here in verse 5 of Proverbs chapter 3. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. God promises that he Shall direct your path when you acknowledge God in all of your ways. And then you lean not on your own understanding. You know what that means? That means reject your own understanding, reject your observation of the circumstances as they appear. Because you don't know everything, you know what it looks like, but have you ever seen an illusion? Have you ever seen something that looks like one thing, but it's actually something else? Of course you have. And if you haven't, go to Google Images, type in illusion, and it will show you illusions of things that you perceive one way but are actually something else. When you understand the limitations that we have as people, but then you also understand the absence of limitations that our Heavenly Father has. That's when this part, at the beginning of verse 5, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, you're able to do that because you know that God is all knowing. God is all powerful. God is present everywhere. And if you can't depend on Him, if you can't trust in Him absolutely because of that, then there's nobody who's going to be able to fulfill your need of being trustworthy. Because only God is all-knowing and all-powerful and present everywhere. Look at what it says in verse 7. It says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So are we not seeing again God's desire for you to prosper and be in health? But he's saying, I need you to Do what I am telling you to do. He says in verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And the reason he's telling you that is not just to give you a whole bunch of do's and don'ts. He's saying when you do these things, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. It's for your well-being. A lot of the laws that the Jewish people had in the Old Testament, related to eating things that were dead and touching things that had blood on them and other things, that was before a lot of what we know in medicine today and science today, where those illnesses and diseases that were transmitted by blood and other things were there back then, but they didn't know it. All they knew was give them a command not to touch dead things, not to handle blood. And if you did, to be cleansed for a certain period of time before it would not communicate <laughs> disease or whatever. But that wasn't the reason. They were told you're to wait outside the walls of the camp for seven days before you are considered clean and able to come back. And it was for their well-being for their health, for their protection. And when they did what God told them to, then it preserved them. And you also have to remember people didn't live very long back then <laughs> in other cultures. And, and, and that was because a lot of these things God knew to share with them, to preserve them. Look at what it says here. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of all your increase. What does first fruits mean? It says, honor the Lord with your possessions. That means that you acknowledge that all that you have comes from God. And with the first fruits of your increase, that means any additional riches added to what you have. The first fruits would be the tithe, the, the 10%. Right, and you give God the first and the best simply as a part of this first part of this where it says acknowledge God in all your ways and he will direct your paths, acknowledging God blessing you as you honor him with the first fruits of all your increase and you give him your 10% to say, God, this is all yours anyway, and I know that all of this if we keep it in the context of, for this discussion, we'll talk about money, right? Just because it, it works as a simple, simple illustration. And I say, you know what? This 10% of the, before I pay any other bill, before I do anything else, I pay my time to acknowledge that it all comes from God and that. All of financial increase, no matter how much money it is, cannot meet all of your need anyway because only God can do that. So that 10% is simply us acknowledging God's hand in all of our blessings. And what we see in that is our mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, and financial well-being intact. Are confident and the promises of God are absolute because the promise at the end of honoring the Lord with our possession and with the first fruits of all of our increase is that it says, So your bonds will be filled with plenty and your back with new wine. This is important, it's powerful. I'm going to go on so that you can get the fullness of this here. It says, My son did not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. So these are practical things God is telling you. You do this, you'll get this. And he's saying, follow this instruction, because this is the path to prospering and being in health. This is the way to the more than abundant life, and instead of being focused on money, 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 you can be focused on what does the word of God say? What does truth say? What does mercy say? Have I honored the Lord with my possession? Have I given of the first fruits of all of my increase? Right, and then when we haven't, we don't despise. The chastening of the Lord, and we don't detest his correction because we know whom the Lord loves he corrects just as the Father and the, the Son and whom he delights. What's important about this is that there's another verse in Psalms where it says the wicked man says if there was a God, he wouldn't allow me to continue in wickedness, right? But he would check me and stop me. And one of the ways that we know that God is our Heavenly Father is that He chastens us. He corrects us. He does not let us get too far away because it says that the work that He started in us, He is finishing. So we have to believe that. That's where our faith is. That's where our confidence is. It's in standing on the promise and the Word of God. These promises are to us. Now, what I'm reading here now What I read in Ecclesiastes, and what I'm about to read in Malachi, was actually written to the Old Testament children of Israel. But we can learn from these principles and apply these same principles in our life because they're consistent with the things we read about in the New Testament. Now, look at what it says here in verse 13. It says, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. for." Her proceeds are far better than the profits of silver, and her gains than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot come. What have I shared with you this evening that you can use that might fit into that category of wisdom and understanding, right? The word of God is powerful. It says, all the things you may desire cannot compare with wisdom and understand. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all those who retain her. Right? And this is speaking of wisdom. So we want to get to the point where we are following the word of God and what we do. We are acknowledging the goodness of God and allowing truth and mercy to be bound around our neck and written and engraved on our heart, right? Can be merciful to those who come against us because They're not coming against us. They're coming against the power of God, and we better be praying for them because they're not fighting us. They're fighting God, which means they lose, but our hope is that in the process of their experiencing the power of God through us, that they're one to the kingdom, and our enemies become our brothers and sisters in Christ. All right? Verse 19, the Lord, by wisdom, hath founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heaven. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped dew down and clouds dropped down the dew. This is referring to the flood here when it talks about by knowledge the depths were broken up and the clouds dropped down the dew. God designed all that stuff for a reason. And things happen according to their time. Verse 21, my son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. See, if you know these promises are yours, then you're not walking in fear. You are standing on the Word of God and saying, God's promises. Do not fail. God's promises, I will benefit absolutely from obedience to the Word of God. And it says in verse 24, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do you know what it says in the medical journals about the causes for sickness and disease these days? Many come from stress and much of the illness comes from the inability that that people have to sleep. A third of our life is spent sleeping, regenerating, getting ready for the next day. But if we can't rest because we're afraid, because our sleep isn't sweet, what God is asking us to do here, and allowing truth and mercy to be engraved on our heart and bound about our neck, then it says, all of these things that God is promising are not available, right? But when we do these things, when we do God's things God's way, we're blessed. We will prosper. We will be in health. That's why we study the word. We study to obey. We don't just study to know things. But we can quote scripture we study to know so that we can do. Verse 25, do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in your power, when it is in the power of your hand to do so, do not say to your neighbor, go and come back. And tomorrow I will give it to you. When you have it with you right now, do not devise evil against your neighbor, for he dwells by you safely for oh he dwells by you for safety's sake. Do not strive with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. Do not envy the oppressor and choose none of his ways. What does that say? Do not envy your oppressor, the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. For the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. The wise inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. We don't want shame to be our legacy. I'm gonna to go to this passage of scripture that everyone has heard, but many just reject and they don't believe. If they don't believe it applies to them. But before I go to this, I'd like to like to I'm gonna read another passage of scripture here that I think is going to bless you greatly. It says here in Second Corinthians nine Going to read from verse 5 to verse 7. It says, So, and it talks about God loving a cheerful giver. It says, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you beforehand and make arrangements for the bountiful gift you had promised. This way your gift will be prepared generously and not begrudgingly. Consider this whoever sows sparingly will reap also sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not out of regret or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is how God needs you to give to him. God needs you to cheerfully. I want to end in this last portion of Scripture because it's going to bless you. I'm going to challenge you to give where God tells you to give. Don't necessarily feel like church is a club and you've got to give your give your tithe or whatever to a specific place because one of the problems with that is you can accidentally end up in men-pleasing and serving money, and people have a tendency to want to clock your money They want to be able to measure their provision as it pertains to you. And you are not their provision no more than they are yours. God is our source. God is our resource. And we stand on the promises of God. Those who lead God's people have to follow the principles that God has set forth for being blessed. For accessing the riches of God, etc. So look at what it says here in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you would ask, How are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in mine house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much of a blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. See, that's God's promise. God is able to make absolute promises like that because he's God. And when we acknowledge God as being as great as He is, that's when this thing really gets interest because we are excited about watching God do what He said He was gonna do because we know He's gonna do it. God's faithful. And the more you test the promises of God, the more you do what you study in God's Word, and you realize this is real, the more excited you get about sharing this with someone else so that they can share in the promises that you partake in each and every day that you in your life. So as always, from Poet Tuesdays and your host, Lester Carver with the Spirit Alive Network. We we transform.
1: transformed. Hey you out there walking around sad and depressed. This is Keith Wonderboy Johnson and I got a message for you. Everything is going to be alright. No matter what you're going through. So turn your frown around to a smile. And come on, let's celebrate. our. don't give up. Don't give up. Thank you.